Chapter Twenty One of The Heron Nest by W. Bird Foster. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Chapter Twenty One The Fats in the Fire. Beside the larger number of tomato plants the herons raised for the market that spring, they had plenty to set on their own patch, and this tomato garden looked like a vineyard from a distance especially while the plants were small billy carried out the ideas he had evolved during their first season and this year they set a dozen long rows of strong posts running north and south and strung wires to them to which the plants as they grew were securely tied billy had likewise discovered that tomatoes could be grown in succession without any trouble as long as the ground was properly enriched with compost each season the posts and wires did not have to be moved it took regular attention for some weeks to keep the plants properly pruned tied to these trellises but the returns repaid the outlay of time billy arrived this year at the pinnacle of his desires in tomato raising he saw a dollar profit from a plant it was brought about by the careful selection of the strain of seed by proper cultivation and attention and last but not least by wise marketing of the crop when the tomatoes began to ripen he purchased crates and baskets stenciled them with the legend heron nest farm medway new york and packed his fruit with as much care as is given to hothouse grown tomatoes and there is one thing sure hothouse grown tomatoes were never like these of billy herons and the grower who produces his tomatoes out of doors will always have the call over forced fruit the latter does not possess the flavor billy never packed a cracked tomato and never sent one to market that was not perfect in shape and promised to ripen evenly and the returns even after the commission merchant and the railroad had taken their profits bulked big on the ledger of the family income for that season before the tomatoes were set out however veronica calvert came to the heron nest most girls who had been as brutally frank as veronica would have shown some diffidence in their manner but she quite ignored her treatment of pearl mary the last time she had chanced to meet her and began at once to act toward her as she was in the habit of treating her mother and the servants at home it made jack angry to hear and see the girl but pearl mary seeing how wan and ill the girl really appeared merely laughed at her dr mitchley had written a letter to billy in which he begged the herons to ignore her overbearing ways and to make her wait on herself and live out of doors as much as possible so after the first week or two when she found that Pearl Mary would not run to her beck and call, and that she could not go home again, whether she liked the place or not, Veronica really began to behave like a more reasonable human being. Sheer loneliness drove the spoiled girl out of doors for Pearl Mary's society. The latter was all day engaged with her chickens and light tasks in the garden, and Veronica could not help but falling in love with the broods of downy yellow chicks pearl mary's flocks separated in their various runs and pens were really a pretty sight 
the poultry being all purebred and of one variety a person who was no chicken fancier could not help being attracted by the sight a branch pipe from the spring kept a tiny stream of fresh water flowing through the hen-yard troughs at all times in summer although no muddy spots were allowed in the enclosures in which the fowl might soil their feathers in winter this water supply was cut off for the pipe was merely laid on top of the ground the poultry was supplied several times a day with tepid water in cold weather pearl mary could use some of the eggs from her first year's hens for hatching purposes now and she found them fertile and the chicks hatched from them quite as strong and as true to name and strain as those obtained from the eggs she bought this was a considerable saving and she looked forward to selling eggs herself for hatching purposes the next season in spite of the corn jack raised and the roots and garden stuff the feed for the poultry was a serious item of expense billy declared however that as fast as they could afford to they would clear some of the uplands of the farm and raise wheat the land there looked promising for that purpose they ground meat and bone that they secured at the village butchers and billy brought home much of the lawn clippings from mr van coves there was a great deal of clover in his lawn which they dried and stored to mix in the mash on which they fed the poultry at least once a day in winter a crop full of warm mash and a warm roosting house in cold weather is safer than a dry feed and a draughty roost was one of billy's axioms and the rules certainly kept pearl mary's hens lame when those of other poultry raisers in the neighborhood had given up the struggle to supply the matutinal egg in frosty weather in a few weeks veronica calvert had become so much interested in pearl mary's work and her plans for the future that she did not have to be driven out of doors as was first the case she took upon herself some of the lighter duties to relieve the other girl and as she forgot herself and imitated the busy existence of the young herons she correspondingly improved her cheeks began to call up a little color her eyes grew brighter her step was no longer languid and she forgot to cough but jack could not evince any fondness for her it must be confessed that the big fellow was a good deal set in his ways with many people of jack heron's temperament the virtue of consistency is carried to a fault he was slow to acknowledge that veronica calvert could never be aught but the silly selfish girl she had been when she came to live in the heron nest jack was helping billy transplant sets from the greenhouse to the plant beds in the lawns about the van coe house one day when he voiced his dislike for their cousin adding and the way she tries to boss pearl mary around is not only absurd but it gets me mad billy i tell you frankly i'd never let her come to live with us if i'd been you pearl mary made the decision said billy quietly and i'm proud of her for having done so she had much against uncle calvert and i should not have blamed her if she had refused well you oughtn't to have put up to her at all growled jack 
You might have known what she would have done. She knew that she wouldn't be disappointed in her if she didn't show the disposition of an angel. Billy laughed. I don't just know what brand of disposition that is, Jack, and I doubt if you do, either. Most angels we read about in the scriptures are merely messengers of the Almighty, and I doubt if they begin to have the vexations and disappointments that rasp the disposition of us poor mortals. Pearl Mary is a sweet girl, I grant you, and I am proud of her, but I don't think she is wholly perfect. Jack fairly glared at him. You certainly astonish me, Billy, he ejaculated. But before he could go farther, Louise Van Coe approached to ask Billy a question pertaining to his work. The latter went to her at once, and Jack, on his knees in the flower-bed, could not help watching the couple as they stood out of earshot, but where he could see the play of their features plainly. Miss Van Coe was never languid in Billy's presence. She was deeply interested in the hothouse work and in the gardening, and her father allowed her to do just as she pleased in the government of the work young Heron was conducting. Although she had been quite a young lady when the Herons had first made her acquaintance, she was only a few months older than Billy himself. Even Jack observed that an interest in life had marvelously improved the banker's daughter. She stood now, talking with his brother, as frankly as she would have to any man of her own social world. There was nothing patronizing in her manner. Indeed, if anything, she seemed to look to Billy for approval, and his treatment of her was much different from the attitude he bore toward Pearl Mary or Veronica Calvert. As they talked, Jack saw the color come and go very prettily in Louise Van Coe's cheeks, and her eyes darted glances at her father's gardener that even to Jack's rather slow comprehension revealed something that he had never dreamed of before. Jack dropped the trowel he was using and went back into the greenhouse, and there Billy found him after a few minutes. The big fellow was fairly pale, his eyes blazed, and he looked at his brother with a mixture of amazement and suspicion that the latter could not ignore. "'Hello, old boy. What's the trouble?' said Billy, smiling. Jack's black eyes sparkled in a way that his brother had seldom noted of late. Jack's sudden flashes of temper were so infrequent now that the whole family had almost forgotten them. The young man controlled his voice, however, when he spoke. "'Billy, I just saw you with Miss Van Coe. I, I could not help watching you two. You were right before me, where I was at work.' The tone of accusation he used was perhaps the reason that Billy flushed a little, but the latter's only comment was, "'Well, Jack?' "'You, you two are friendly, more friendly than you have any right to be. Billy, with any girl but one. His brother looked steadily at him. The color died out of his face, and then came back again in a flood. But Billy held his own temper in perfect control. Who is that one? He asked Jack, curtly. You ask me that? cried the big fellow, taking an involuntary step toward his brother. How can you, how can you forget Mary? I 
don't, denied Billy. He was calm now, and the angry red began to recede from his cheeks again. Pearl Mary is my sister. You know you are more than a brother to her, Billy, and she has been more to you than sister. Stop! Billy's command and gesture silenced the big fellow in spite of his anger. Pearl Mary is my dear, dear sister. She and I understand each other perfectly, Jack. It is you that labor under a delusion. What, what do you mean, murmured Jack? Miss Van Coe? We are not discussing Miss Louise. At least, we have no right to bring her name into any such discussion, said Billy, quickly. But Pearl Mary. Well, demanded Jack doggedly. Billy suddenly laughed. He caught his brother by both shoulders and gave him a little shake. Is that the trouble, Jackie boy? He cried. How blind I have been. Then he looked deep into his brother's eyes, out of which the fire had gone now. He put his lips close to the big fellow's ear, and his own arms slipped around his shoulders and folded Jack close to him in boyish embrace while he whispered, Jack, Jack, you love her. The other trembled, but in a moment he seized Billy's wrists, drawing down his hands to hold the slighter fellow off from him. Yes, Jack said firmly, I love her. I... I've loved her, I guess, ever since we were kiddies together. But I've played fair, Billy. I've never tried to take advantage of you. Not that I could, I suppose, for Pearl Mary remains, as she always has been, my dear, dear sister, said Billy, with eyes that were tear-filled, but which looked his brother frankly in the face. Jack, my dear fellow, you have been in error. And so have I, for that matter. I did not know, not for sure, how you felt. I did not imagine for an instant the strength of your regard for her. But, dear boy, if you love her, why, in heaven's name, don't you win her? Why do you wait longer? But you, gasped Jack, pale to his lips under the shock of the discovery. I tell you, I am her brother, and I should be nothing more to Pearl Mary in any case. I am not the sort of a man who appeals to a romantic nature like hers. I tell you, Jack, that there isn't a shadow of feeling between Pearl Mary and me that should hold you from trying to win her. Billy, Billy, do you mean it? The cry touched the other as deeply as anything had ever stirred his heart before. The tears overflowed his eyes, and in a choking voice, as he beat his brother on the back with both arms around him again, Billy replied, Ask her, ask her, you dear old fellow, and if I'm any kind of a prophet at all, she will not need to be coaxed. And in the general hilarity of that occasion, Jack forgot entirely to probe any deeper into his brother's mind regarding Louise Van Coe. The big fellow's outlook upon life was so entirely changed by this revelation that it was several days before he could adjust himself to the facts. He had lived for months a life of severe repression. 
that he had grown calmly to view the sympathetic understanding between his brother and pearl mary was no proof that the wound in his heart had been healed by time his loyalty to the brother he so loved and his desire never to mar pearl mary's happiness were the factors that had enabled the big fellow to hide his pain but one evening she came singing down the hemlock aisles behind the bungalow from the spring where she had been to shut off the flow of water to the poultry yards for the night and just at the edge of the wood jack stood before her oh gasped pearl mary she glanced timidly about there was a thicket on either side she looked down and the color flooded into her face then she covered the blushes with her hands jack slowly firmly drew the hands down holding both in one of his own big brown ones and with his thumb and forefinger turned her flower-like face up to his own his black eyes drank deep of the heaven-blue pools of her own orbs she sighed and fluttered nearer him charmed yet half tempted to flee again i love you i love you pearl mary love you love you he whispered again and again and with an emotion that physically shook him but he did not seek to enfold her in his arms until she should freely frankly give herself to him and at the moment as she raised her face of her own volition to look at him as her lips parted to whisper the permission his heart hungered for came the hateful interruption the girl started back from him Shh, she warned there's father and and harry the murmur of the wanderer's voice came to them plainly pearl mary slipped behind him and jack must perforce follow her down the hill mr heron and the tramp who was just then idling again in the neighborhood stood at the corner of the poultry run the old gentleman smiled upon the girl tenderly as she approached he was most frequently silent but the girl always brought to his patient tired face that same loving smile of confidence mr heron glanced now at the rough-looking fellow who was grinning appreciatively on pearl mary and jack saw a sudden light of intelligence flash athwart his father's face as pearl mary came near mr heron reached forth and took her hand in his and said in a manner quite different from his ordinary way hasn't she grown isn't she pretty ah you didn't dream she'd be like this when you brought her to our door so long ago did you no no who would have expected that little helpless wailing baby to grow like this he patted her hand and smiled the expression of his countenance slowly faded while his startled audience remained transfixed by his words jack was horrified pearl mary's face blanched and she looked in something like terror from the unfortunate gentleman to the blousy disreputable tramp the latter shrank back his lips mumbled but he uttered no audible word mr heron unconscious of what he had done still patted the girl's hand he started toward the house and pearl mary perforce 
must accompany him. She walked with her head down, slowly, without buoyancy or spirit in her carriage, as though youth and hope had both been stricken in her soul. She drooped like an old woman. The tramp gasped, rubbed the back of his wrist across his lips, and looked up sideways at Jack. His first audible word was an oath. The fat is in the fire, he added. But Jack scarcely heard him. He walked away. End of chapter 21